if Todd was the college football CEO, which is not a real thing, but if he was, what changes would he make? Yep, yep, yep. Welcome back to the Men in Black podcast. Uh, I'm Josh Mancuso, uh, the real expert in this mm-hmm. scenario. This is Todd Blackledge, just some some college football uh, analyst type stuff, I think. So, Todd, how's it going? Doing great, man. Doing great. You enjoying your time at Disney? I am. I'm at, we did Disney yesterday. I'm at Universal today. Okay. Uh, just hopping around Orlando, you know, having a great, yeah. a, a good time. Good, good. Yeah, you want to come down here for a couple of days with us? No, no. Okay, can I come up there with you for a couple of days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you might need to go on vacation to relax here after this. I will. Look, I got some. You got some, you got some coffee? Yep, I got some. Let's do it. Okay, I had, I had to go to Starbucks today because the coffee in the room at Universal mm. not good. It's is garbage. It's uh, straight garbage. <laughs> so. Well, um, all right. We had a pretty big, uh, pretty big weekend of football here. We got oh, a few man. games to go over. Yeah, it was a great week. I mean, you had two games that ended on a hail mary. You had a couple of ridiculous comebacks. You know, improbable comebacks like Stanford over Colorado after being down twenty nine nothing. So I mean, it was a it was a really really exciting week uh, in college football. So uh, we're at that point of the year now where the games just get bigger and bigger. What do you make of that Stanford comeback? How, I mean, how can you allow a team that's down twenty nine nothing to come back on you? What 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 happened there? <laughs> well, I didn't watch the game or study the game, but obviously uh, it was a you know completely different game in the second half. Um, you know, and, and Colorado, it's it, they they've had a little bit of everything happen to them so far this season, right? They've had the ultimate highs. They've looked great. They've gotten blown out. They've, you know, had to hold on to win late. And now they this is a, a new experience. And again, you know, they're they're not a great team. Uh they're they're a talented team. They got Travis Hunter back uh and he made some good plays. But um, you know, you gotta give credit to to Stanford, first of all, that they didn't quit, you know, that they came out and played yeah. the second half and just treated it like a brand new game. And then momentum is funny in football. You know, momentum, it just gets rolling and all, you know, pretty soon everything starts going your way and things go against the other team. And uh, and Stanford, I don't even know how to say this guy's name, but this receiver, a redshirt freshman receiver from Stanford, uh, Alec Ayumanor or something, I'm probably butchering the name. I've never even <laughs> heard of him. But he has 13 catches for 294 yards and three touchdowns. And the last touchdown, the winning touchdown, he catches it like wrapped around Travis Hunter's head, you know. So, I mean, it was like an incredible performance by him. Uh, But you got to credit Stanford and just not giving up and hanging in there and then finding a way to win it at the end. But but really, you know, I'm sure the Colorado people, staff and players just you can't have much more of a disappointing loss than that. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Colorado is—they're on a Disney roller coaster themselves. Right. They've, they've experienced right. every single year. piece of what it's like to play college football, and uh, you know they're just—they're just getting the full experience, yeah. soaking it all in because they're getting yeah. the the heartbreaks and the amazing stuff. Uh, yeah, wow. All right, well, um, yeah, that was a pretty incredible game. Um, now, obviously, I guess kind of the game of the week was uh, USC 
going to Notre Dame and um, getting absolutely shellacked yeah. by the Fighting Irish, which uh, I did not see coming. Uh, yeah. But uh, you probably did because you're well. You I know, thought pretty, were, pretty I smart. Thought Dame, I thought Notre Dame was going to win. In fact, I think I said that last week when we when we picked the games. But I did I not. Think think you, said would, you said it. I did not think they would beat them like this. I mean, they actually. Yeah. I mean, just destroyed them. You know, and Caleb Williams, who was just flying along, one interception, uh, like twenty five touchdowns or whatever. You know, right on pace to win the Heisman again. Be the first since Archie Griffin to win back to back Heisman's, and all of a sudden everything got derailed in South Bend. I mean, he threw three interceptions in the first half. Notre Dame just harassed him all night. I mean, it it made him look human and average, but it also made their offensive line look horrible. Uh, they sacked him six times. Uh, they just totally dominated the game with their defense. I mean, Notre Dame only gained 251 yards of offense and won 48 to 20. I mean, so, I mean, it was all by their defense. Uh, yeah. They forced the turnovers. The one, you know, the, the one kid had two interceptions in the first half. He forced a fumble. He had a scoop and score in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So it was a dominant performance by a Notre Dame team that I just knew they they, they had to bounce back. Right? They had three weeks yeah. in a row that were gut wrenching. They lose on the last play to Ohio State. They go on the road and have to hang on to beat Duke late. Then they go on the road and lose to Louisville and didn't play very well. So I mean. I just they, – they needed to respond, and they did. Notre Dame is having a full football season like exactly. Colorado is. That's right. <laughs> They're yeah. experiencing yeah. all of it. it. What a schedule, you know, really. Yeah. They've, they're playing a lot of good teams, and um, it's been – yeah, it's been cool to see. And uh, USC, man, I, I you know, a lot of people are doing the whole I told you so, told you so, they don't have a defense, you know, um, and they're going to get, you know, going to get killed. But like you said, I mean, Notre Dame – only had 248 yards of, of offense, which, yeah. um, I, you know, I don't know what to make of USC's defense going forward. But at this point, I mean, is it safe to say Caleb Williams has lost the Heisman or is it still achievable? You know, I, I hate to say that because there's a lot of big games left, but he might have, you know. And, and the biggest reason he might have, and, and this is a great segue to our next game, is because – Michael Penix Jr. and in the Washington game, which was an incredible football game, Washington and Oregon. Uh, you know, anybody that watched that or paid a ticket to go see it got their money's worth. You know, two teams, really good teams, dueling it out. Two great quarterbacks. You know, who are both older guys who have you know took advantage of the portal, took advantage of the extra COVID year, took advantage of medical registers, everything right, and are playing great. And it was a shootout between Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. And so I think the reason Caleb might have lost it last week is because two guys in his conference are still playing lights out. And Michael Penix Jr., in my opinion, probably moved into the forefront right now. But there's still a lot of big games, yeah. left, you know. Uh, sure. But that game, that game in Seattle was incredible. You know, I mean, went down to the the, the wire. You know, Oregon was winning. Um late in the game and Dan Lanning, who, you know, people have a different opinions. He went for three times on fourth down and failed all three times, right? Yeah, Once yeah. in the first half, two in the second half. The last one, he was just trying to, you know, it was it was in his own territory. And if he if he gets the first down there, they kind of iced the game. The game's over. And he gambled and went for it on fourth and three and they didn't get it. 
and Washington, it only took them two plays to score to go ahead. Uh, the only bad thing about that is it gave Oregon time to at least move into field goal range, and they missed a 43-yard field goal that, that would have uh, tied the game and put it in overtime. So an incredible football game. Um, you know, you can say what you want about Dan Lanning's decisions uh, and not taking points or not punting the football. It was an aggressive mindset, you know, and I there, I'm sure his team – is behind him, you know, say, Hey, our coach believes in us and he's aggressive and we want to be aggressive. And it just didn't work out, you know, in this it's, case, it's the Oregon way though, isn't it? I mean, isn't that how they, you know, if you're going to coach at Oregon, you got to be that kind of aggressive <laughs> coach. It seems like, yeah. I mean, they, or they, if they you're go wear, yeah, if you're going to wear eggshell uniforms, then, <laughs> then you better, you better have something going for you. Some kind of mock. Right. <laughs> Those uniforms were pretty crazy. I love them. Yeah. Um, I just I, I just like what I like is I like uniforms to actually reflect the colors of the school. I just think there's something sure. important about that. You know, when you wear uniforms that you turn them on, you're looking like don't even know who it is. I'm not I'm not down with that. But you know, that, or, yeah. or, so well that's that's the thing. If you turn on the TV and you look at a team and you don't know who it is, it's yeah. probably Oregon. <laughs> it's a good chance it's Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you though. I like the uh the, the the Penn State uniforms, right? We talked we talked about that yeah. before. Yeah, um, that's great. Well, uh, somebody on this podcast may have said that Washington was, I think, I think quote overrated, um, and and that that they were not going to win against Oregon, that they were not as good as people thought they were. That person might have been me, and I mm -hmm. might need to apologize to uh, the Washington Huskies there. Yeah on uh, national television as our podcast is on <laughs> yeah. and um, they are, they are legit. They of course that game again, it could have gone either way, but Washington yep. won the yep. game and they're, they're really good. So yeah. I, you, you said, you told me like you said, Washington's good. Stop yep. making st stupid predictions. And, but here I go, you yeah. know, but you made a good one on the next game. You I did, did, which was Arizona going into Washington state. And not just upsetting them, like completely destroying yeah. them, forty-four to six. What? What happened? Yeah. And I knew it all along, Tom Blackledge. I knew it all along. Arizona <laughs> well, Wildcats yeah. can play I football. Just, I think you just like Arizona, especially because I told you their coach's name is Jed Fish last week, and you you just really were into that. But you know That's what it, it is. He has done a great job because they were close the last couple of weeks and just came up on the short end, but been very competitive. And uh, it's like they just all put it together. So, uh, so yeah, I got a couple of good friends that are U of A grads, and uh, you know, I'm sure they're they're excited about the direction that the football team is headed right now under Jed Fish. But that was a that was a huge win beating uh, Washington State. Yeah, on the road. I'm glad Arizona's winning something. I picked them to win. Uh, I think win the Final Four last year in my in my bracket. They let me down mm -hmm. pretty early, if I remember. They went out pretty early, so at least they gave me this. Uh, Win against Washington State. So there you go. There you go. Good. Good. All right. Well, games to recap. Or you want to move on to some? Uh, no, I think that's good. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So we've got uh, a new segment. I think that we're starting mm -hmm. called uh, "Tip of the Cap." Yeah. Uh, hats off. Tip of the right. cap to um, a player and a team that we think we just want to give a nod to. Yeah. Tip of the cap for for their performance. Is awesome, isn't he? Look at that's him. great. He just throws Pierce, something out there, and he is on it. Our producer just knocking it out of the park. All right, yeah. so 
Hats off. Who's your, uh, who, who are you going to give your hats off to today? Okay. So my team, um, my team is the Air Force Academy. Uh, mm -hmm. Troy Calhoun's the coach. He's been there about 17 years and they've been good. I mean, the last two years they finished 10 and three, but that was basically based on late season win streaks. This year they're six and zero. Oh. They just beat Wyoming, which was a huge win in the Mountain West, and they are now ranked number twenty-two in the AP poll, which is the first time that they've been in the top twenty-five since two thousand and nineteen. So, uh, kind of cool to see them, uh, you know, be in the top twenty-five, and uh, you know, the the Army and Navy kind of get a little bit more publicity, I think, as the service academies. But Air Force is really good in football too, and kind of kind of cool to see. Plus. It's beautiful out there, uh, out there in Colorado as well. Oh yeah, yes it is. Uh, good pick right there. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to give my tip of the cap to Arizona uh, for that big win against Washington State. Okay. And um, I mean, they, they got no chance of being in the top 25 anytime soon. But maybe later down the road if they keep winning games. But uh, tip of the cap for that win. But also how they've kept it close with some other teams. I think yeah. they kept it close with USC. Yeah. Um, Maybe Oregon State or Oregon State, another team as well. They've they've been right there in the fight, which I think is pretty cool for a team like Arizona. You don't hear much about. Yeah. So uh, tip of the cap to them for going to Washington State and yeah. taking them out big time and showing people, hey, we can play football too. Yep. All right. How about your player? You go first on the player. Who's your player? My tip of the cap for the player is is may surprise you, um, but it is quarterback Graham Mertz from Florida. Um, who threw for 423 yards and three touchdowns um, against South Carolina in Columbia in a, in a close game that I picked Florida to win because, again, I know football really well. Excellent. And, Excellent. yeah, thank you. So, um, Graham Mertz, quarterback, and I think he is an over uh, an underrated underrated quarterback. Uh, and, and people like me who discounted them, like, who's this Graham Mertz guy coming out here for Florida going to play football? But if you look at him, um, and you look at even his stats, his stats uh, stack up against some yeah. other uh, pretty big, I mean, quarterbacks, even Jordan Travis. I was looking at a comparison between the two of them. Um, and statistically, Graham Mertz is, is far ahead of a, yeah. a Heisman contender in Jordan Travis. Now, their schedule has not been the same necessarily. Uh, but still, Graham Mertz just playing good football. Uh, love to see it. I'm not, you know, I don't love seeing the Florida Gators succeed that well, to be honest yeah. with you. But but excited for him. It's a pretty cool deal. Graham Mertz, tip of the cap. Way to go, yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good for him. You know, he 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 started off his career at Wisconsin and he, you know, his first game, he threw like five touchdowns. Everybody thought he was going to be, you know, the best quarterback Wisconsin's ever had. And he he just never quite measured up, you know, and it wasn't just him, but he just never had the kind of career there that people thought he was going to have. And, you know, like so many yeah. other guys, got in the transfer portal, found a new home went and played with for Billy Napier at Florida and, and things have worked out really well. They've been a little bit off the radar and he's been a little bit off the radar, but you're right. Uh, he's playing really well and, you know, he'll have a great opportunity in a big stage, probably in a couple of weeks when they play Georgia and Jacksonville, you know, because that'll be, that'll be a, a big game. So my yeah. tip of the cap, my tip of the cap is to a guy named, I, I'm going to say his name and I know that you will have no idea who he is. Right. No. Tory Taylor. Do you know who Tory Taylor is? Tory Taylor. I went to school with somebody named Tory Taylor, but it's probably not the that's, same person. That's not him. He's the punter for Iowa. Okay. Wow. You're going to tip your yeah. cap to the Iowa's punter. Yeah. Because you got to list this guy. You know, he's like an All American. 
and we've talked on this show, there is no worse offense in college football over the last three or four years than Iowa, right? Yeah. But their defense is great, and their special teams are great, and their punter is next-level good, okay? So Torrey Taylor, Saturday uh, against Wisconsin, Iowa won 15-6. to They punted 10 times. Normally, if you punt 10 times in a game, you don't lose you're losing, right? They punted <laughs> 10 times. He averaged 50.6 yards per punt. And six of his 10 punts were inside the 20-yard line. So he constantly was flipping the field, giving good field position to his defense. I mean, he is a stud, right? And we did a game in Iowa a couple of weeks ago. This is no joke. They have fans with T-shirts, and it says, punting is winning in Iowa. <laughs> oh. So. My tip of the cap is to Tory Taylor, the punter at Iowa. Wow. Punters, the unsung hero of college yeah. football games. Um, well, on a team like that. I mean, their yeah. quarterback, this is the stats of a winning quarterback in that game, Deacon Hill. Six of 14 for 37 yards. <laughs> okay. That, that was the winning quarterback. Okay, this is a and this is a team. This is a team. They're ranked number twenty-four. They're probably going to win ten games. Yeah, it's on the strength of their defense and their punter. So, hats off. I, you know, I love it. I love it. You know, it's like uh, different different personalities in your family. You know, you got different teams. You got the, <laughs> the high offense team. You got the the weird Iowa team with they don't know yeah. somehow they win without having offense. You got you know, the teams with no defense. You, yeah. And I was just kind of like that, that kind of weird uncle that keeps showing up at the reunions. And like, yeah. I guess we'll keep inviting him because he keeps showing up. I read, I read an interesting, it was kind of an interesting article uh, on Sunday flying home. And it was, and it was doing the comparison says it's kind of ironic that at the same time, this incredibly exciting Washington and Oregon game was going on this 15 to six Iowa and Wisconsin game was going on at the same time. And, and those teams will be in the same conference starting next year, you know? And so, you know, again, working for NBC and covering the big 10, I think it's going to be great to have these offensive, innovative, creative offensive programs coming into the big 10, even though the quarterbacks are going to be gone, you know, they'll still recruit great quarterbacks and the coaches will still be there. And uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be really fun to see. Random question before we get on to the yeah. top 25 and to our upcoming games is there was a quarterback uh, for Wisconsin back in um, I don't know, around the 2010s, 11, 12, somewhere in there, I think, named Kurt Phillips. Do you remember him? Uh, he was quarterback at Wisconsin. I remember the name. Yeah, I remember okay. the name. He, did, he didn't get a lot of snaps or he, he battled some injuries. But anyways, he's from our neck of the woods here in Northeast okay. Tennessee. So just kind okay. of a random – Guy who's do- dominated in high school and yeah. got recruited and, and um, battled some injuries and was a backup, but did start some um, and, and did did decently well. But anyways, this is a random fact for the day, Kurt Phillips. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So I, uh, you know, I put out a top 25 uh, list that everybody is excited to, to, to see. Like the whole world just awaits this yeah. With, yeah. with anticipation. Um, and so, as you see here, I've got mine, and 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 you've I've sent it to you before, so you've seen it. But yep. um, you know, I've got uh, you know so, some newcomers in there. I, I've snuck in uh, James Madison University at twenty four. I feel like uh-huh. I mean they're undefeated. They beat some good teams, and 
let's throw them in there. I've also got Florida sneaking in there at 25. They're, in my opinion, yeah. one of the better two-loss teams out yep. there, having beat Tennessee. And um, So, anyways, it, what, anything stick out to you about my, my top 25 here? Huh. <clears throat> Well, I think I think you were accurate in in USC falling as far as they did because of the performance that they put on. Uh, yeah. I think I told you this last week. I, for me, and I'm a Penn State guy, but I think that's too high for Penn State. Now, if they beat Ohio State this weekend, then then that's where they should be. But I, I think that I think that they're too high. I think Florida State's too low because I think Florida State mm-hmm. um, has. You know, they have two really good wins on their resume already, you know, over teams, uh, you know, Clemson and LSU. Um, yeah. But, you know, for the most part, I think it's it's it, it looks pretty good. Now, the other team that I would probably have in there in place of James Madison is Liberty. And the reason I say that is because the conference that Liberty plays in, Conference USA, is a little bit bigger conference than the Sun Belt. Um, and James Madison, they're still ineligible for postseason because they have to play three years in the FBS. So they're undefeated, oh, best yeah. team in the Sun Belt, but they can't even play in a conference championship game this year because this is only their second year in uh, in FBS. But Liberty's undefeated uh, and is a good football team. Jerry, uh, Jamie Chadwell was the head coach at Coastal Carolina, and he took mm-hmm. over for Hugh Freeze. When Hugh Freeze went to Auburn, he took over at Liberty and uh, – they're having a great year, so that I would have them in there over James Madison. But um, and there's some, you know, there's a couple of matchups coming up, like you might, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, Duke, and Florida State. So um, some really good matchups between uh, top twenty-five teams this week. Okay, yeah, it definitely feels like you could you can mix and match these 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 teams, and it's not this is the first year I've ever done a top twenty-five, and it's 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 tough. I mean, to to figure out well. Should Missouri be ahead of New Louisville or not? I mean, it's like it's it's, right. it's a tough, you know, uh, kind of a wild card. It feels like a lot of times that it's all just kind of thrown in there. But as the season goes on, I think it, it gets a lot more more clear. Um, okay, good. Thanks for the review there. Uh, sure. Uh, okay, we're gonna move on here to uh, Penn State at Ohio State, which is a huge, huge game uh, yeah. going forward. Which I. You said if they win, if Penn State beats Ohio State, they should be up mm-hmm. there. I mean, oh yeah, in the top three, hundred percent. I've already got them at third, but I mean, I think Penn State goes to Ohio State and beats them. I really do. I think uh, I'm just not. I'm just high on Penn State. I just I think yeah. they're they've got it going on. Well, I think that they are built to beat them this year. You know, I don't know that they were the last couple of years, even though they've played them tight. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I I do think that their defense is. High level. They, both these teams are playing really high level defense, and I don't expect this to be a high scoring game. I mean, it's been in the past, you know. I mean, because Ohio State with, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud and the guys they've had playing quarterback. I mean, they they've been high scoring affairs, you know. I don't think this one will be. And and regardless of whatever the weather's like in Columbus, I just think you've got two outstanding defenses uh, yeah. on the field at the same time, and so. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a heck of a football game. Very close yeah. and very low scoring. Ohio State, I think, uh, four-point favorites. I think the spread is four on there, so close. And I, I'm with you. It's going to be a defensive battle. I just, I love that Penn State defense. I think they prevail in the end. We'll, we, we will see. But uh, yeah. it's going to be a great the game. Thing, the one thing that concerns me about Ohio State is um, 
you know, and, and again, this game, a game like this, game like Ohio State, Notre Dame that I did, those games are won or lost at the line of scrimmage, you know, and who who controls the action at the line of scrimmage. And last week, not this past game, but the, the game before when Ohio State played Maryland, you know, Kyle McCord threw for 300 yards and Marvin Harrison Jr. was a stud, but they couldn't run the football. They only had 62 yards rushing against Maryland. They were not very good up front, and they didn't have balance in their offense. And, you know, Penn State is a better defense than Maryland. They rush the passer better. They can cover better. And if they can't – if Ohio State has trouble running against Penn State, they're going to have trouble scoring against them because uh, Penn State's defense is for real. I want that. Let's go. Give me the Nittany Lions. Can you pick this game, or are you? Would you call, are you calling this game? I can't remember. No, I'm not calling it. No. Are you going to pick it? Let's pick no, it. I'm not, I'm not going to pick it. No. No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick it. Not going to do it. <laughs> no. no. Move good. on. Move, Move on. on. All right, I'll pick it. I'm picking. <laughs> I'm picking on your behalf. Uh, Penn State wins right. uh, on the road. All right, Tennessee and Alabama, another big game. Uh, and uh, of course, Tennessee with the big upset over Alabama last year, right, in Knoxville, uh, with that hand and hooker offense and just, you know, a 52 49 shootout, an insane moment for the Tennessee fan base, 15 years. Now they're going to Alabama in Tuscaloosa. This is not the same Alabama team nope. as even last year and in, in the past. Um, they, you know, they, they nearly lost it to Arkansas there uh, at one point, yeah. last, you know, this past week. So Tennessee, not the same team either. Yeah. Struggling offensively, got a great defense, Tennessee at Alabama going to be quite a fight. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? You want to pick this one? Yeah, I, I'm going to take Alabama. Um, and, and you're right. Neither team is, yeah. is what they were last year when they played. And it was, you know, that was one of the classic games of the whole season last year. Right. Um, but I think this one's going to be like Ohio state, Penn state. I think it's going to be the defenses are going to kind of, you know, it's going to be a hard fought game. I don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game. Um, and I think, that being said, I think Alabama's defense is a little bit better than Tennessee's defense at this mm-hmm. point. Um, you know, again, Alabama's they're they're strange this year, you know, but they just are finding ways to win. You know, their quarterback gets sacked like four times a game, and then he still throws like for 290. You know, he hits big throws, right. but he gets sacked, he makes bad decisions, you know, they have penalties, they got all kind of stuff going on that that typically don't happen with Alabama but they are playing high level defense and uh you know they are really making it difficult you know for teams to score so uh but I think it's fun that's a fun rivalry game I'm glad you know to me rivalries are only good if if both teams win their share you know and Tennessee here was good I mean there was a a long stretch there where Alabama just dominated you know and there was a stretch when Peyton was at Tennessee and Phil Fulmer with Tennessee dominated the series you know but it's it's good when it's back and forth and they can spread cigars around between both teams, you know. That's right. <laughs> the cigar companies are happy because they're selling yeah. more cigars uh, to both teams in both states. Yeah, going to be going to be a a good game. I'm going to pick it as my upset of the week, um, not just because I'm a Tennessee fan, uh, but it is hard to pick against Tennessee as somebody who's uh, who's a fan and not quite you know right. uh, an unbiased expert like yourself. And I feel like I'm unbiased in my other games, but this one. Well, I'm just going to go with the Vols, thinking that maybe oh. they can go in there and, and, and get it done. Uh, okay. The defense is playing great. Uh, I think if they can get to the quarterback like they've, they've been doing, cause him to make some mistakes, get some interceptions, I think Tennessee can win the game. But my, yeah. the, 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 the fear is that uh, the issue would be that Alabama's defense does the same thing uh, to Joe Milton yeah. and to, to, to their 
and, and Joe, you know, he's not having the, the year he probably was hoping he'd have, um, or the or Tennessee fans were hoping, was hoping he'd have. And poor guy, every time he gets a great throw on the money, his receiver drops it. And it's blowing every, it's blowing my mind. So um, if they can avoid that crap and put some something together, they, they may have a chance at pulling yep. the upset. But oh, yeah, I'm going to have a shot. They definitely have a shot. They do. It'll be a fun game. Yeah. It'll be a fun game. It will be. All right. My upset is you over Bama. Uh, good pick there. So Duke at Florida State. Florida State's 14-point favorites here. All right. But I, you know, I'm not counting out Duke. Um, but I, it seems like a home game for Florida State, they've been tested with some tough teams, like you said. It's hard to go against Seminoles. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's hard to go against them, uh, and you don't know. I, I'm not sure what the status of Riley Leonard, the quarterback of Duke, is. You know, got hurt at the end of the Notre Dame game, and if he's 100% or not, they're a different team with him because he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my when you just said Florida State's a 14-point uh, favorite, uh, I think Florida State will win, but I would, you know, I'm not a better betting man, but I, I would like the points in Duke uh, because mm-hmm. Mike Elko's team defensively is really, really good. And defense, yeah. track, you know, I mean, you play great defense. It doesn't matter if you're home or away or whatever. And, um, and they play really good defense. And so uh, so I think Florida State will win, but I think it will be a hard-fought uh, game for the Seminoles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I agree. Maybe closer than 14 points. Duke is, uh, it's cool to see Duke playing football. Yeah. I enjoy it. I love yeah. seeing this team be so good. And uh, I hope they keep keep going. But uh, yeah, I think they get tripped up here. You, hey, do you know who the head coach was the last time Duke was this good? Um, I do. Uh, um, He's from your hometown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I forgot. Go out and toss it around. Just go out there and throw it around. You know, hey. Just go, just go do that. Steve Spurrier, when he was coaching at Duke. Yeah, from Johnson City, Tennessee. Spurrier, yeah, oh, yeah. man, the most hated man in Tennessee. But, yes, from my hometown, <laughs> went to high school uh, where I did one of the only uh, three uh, three sports, all-state athletes in three sports. Yeah. Uh, was an amazing athlete, incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to just throw it around. Yeah, around. Spurrier. I forgot he coached at Duke. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Duke being a smart school and all. But, okay. <laughs> Our next game is, uh, let's see, we have Utah at USC. We're going to see if mm. USC – can USC bounce back here? It's a home game. Uh, yeah. Can they bounce back? They're six-and-a-half-point favorites despite this, you know, murder they took uh, last week. But Utah coming in. You're high on Utah. Uh, I like Utah. Back. I I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's back or not. And they've had trouble scoring, scoring points. You know. So, yeah. um, so I don't know. I, I I think USC will bounce back. Same way we saw Notre Dame bounce back and look impressive. Now I don't know that UCLA or US, USC will do the same thing defensively. Mm-hmm. But I do think they'll be better. And I think Caleb Williams yeah. will play. Better. And I think they'll probably find a way to score enough uh, to win that game. But right now yeah. they've got they've got some questions to answer. You know they've got to look down inside of themselves. Their offensive line, their defensive line. They've got some they got some soul searching to do before the Utes come in town. Because Utah is physical. They play hard. Uh, they they're you know they like to run the football and they kind of take on the the personality of their of their coach Kyle Whittingham. Uh, they're they're a hard out for anybody in the Pac-12. They are. They are. I, I, yeah, I give the edge to USC, maybe because it's a home game. But also, I think USC is 
just going to be ticked off. I and mean, they were embarrassed. Well, they should be. And Notre Dame, yeah. Which Notre Dame's a, a solid team. I mean, and, and but they were embarrassed, and the whole world's like, "See, right. USC, you guys, you don't have it." I mean, I think they're going to be ready to come out and yeah. prove that they are worthy of being up there. But uh, maybe a close I game. I mean, you know? and see, yeah. the thing is, the thing is, as ugly as that was in South Bend, that was not a conference game. So everything USC wants in terms of having a shot at the Pac-12 championship, maybe getting in the playoff, all of that is still out there, but they can't look or play like they did last week because they, you know, they still got to play Utah. They got to play Washington. They got to play, or I mean, these are really good teams. They still have left yeah. to play starting with Utah. So, uh, so they got to get better in a hurry. So yeah, USC could finish 11 and one, or they could finish seven and four. Right. Uh, yeah. You never know. I mean, that's true for any team, but with the schedule like that coming up, yeah, it's going to be, Start off six and zero, five and zero, whatever they were, and then they could end up being uh, having a, a tough ending of the season. So, okay, any other games you want to cover for the following week, or you want to go on to our Ask Tog segment? Yeah, let's just move on. Let's move on. All right. I think, so, I think uh, in games, it's time to Ask Todd. It's time to Ask Todd. All right, we. It's <laughs> a great segment. I love it. Okay, first question: uh, Rocky topics. Um, if he was the if Todd was the college football CEO, which is not a real thing, but if he was, what changes would he make? How do we grow the sport and protect rival weeks? Does he see a day that conference championships go go away? That's a lot. Three questions, Rocky Top. Yeah, that's yeah, not that's one. a so lot we'll, of questions. It's a lot of. We'll questions. try to see if Todd can take him one at a time here. If you're the CEO, what well, the first do you, one. Do you yeah, make? yeah, the first one is um, I would try to figure out some way to legislate the NIL stuff. You know, we, we've had two major changes to the college football in the last five years, and I think both of them are good. Uh, but they, the fact that they are going on at the same time, the transfer portal and NIL, it's, it's you know, it's really a crazy situation right now. So it's the Wild West know, out there. They have done a pretty good job of legislating the transfer portal in terms of when the windows are open and when kids can get in and all of that. But the NIL, um, somehow they have to get some kind of oversight with that, you know, so that everybody is kind of dealing with somewhat uh, an even hand. But I, I don't know how they're going to do that. It's, it's going to be very difficult. But that is what I would try to do. Uh, as far as growing the sport, protecting rival weeks, um, you know, rivalries are great. It's one of the things that I think is important in college football. But as these conferences expand – uh, and those decisions are being made because of the money that's available and, and the you know, realignment stuff. It's going to be harder and harder to protect every rivalry. You know, like right now, yeah. I think, I think you know, the two conferences that are growing the most, the SEC and the Big Ten, are doing what they can to protect the primary rivalries. But it's it's going to be harder and harder to protect all of them. You know, and so yeah, but. So I, you know, it's kind of hard to keep growing and expanding and realigning and also protect all the rivalries, but hopefully they can protect the best ones, you know. And now, you know, in the case of like the SEC, a rivalry game that went away, Texas and Texas A&M, now they'll both be in the same conference. They might be able to start that one up again. So that's we knew that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And then do I see a day that conference championships go away? Um, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but the conferences don't like the idea of that because it's such a huge money-making game at the end of the yeah. year. You know, so it's it's a great economic game for the conferences. But 
you know, if the playoff expands, which is going to next year with 12 teams, that's just one extra difficult game that teams have to play. And maybe they wouldn't even have to win a championship game to, to know that they're going to be in the playoffs. So, um, and if the playoff expands even beyond 12, I think more and more there'll be less of a need for a conference championship game. So yeah. I do see a day that that could happen. That's For me, That's a um, that would be disappointing. I love the conference championship games. Yeah. I, in fact, I, I, this is a bigger discussion for another day. But I love the, I love the old, old days when conferences were smaller. They were based on region, and winning your conference was your was your goal. Uh, yeah. And then you you know bowl games were kind of a bonus, and and then you had a national champion from there. But um, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, yeah. All right, for Todd, uh, what was your favorite route to throw, and why, uh, as a quarterback? Or was there a team, college, or pro who you always loved to face because you knew you had their number? <laughs> uh, uh, well, the, the first part, um, I always used to like to throw the uh, – sometimes they call it America's route or America's play, but it's basically your flanker on the one side is running a deep post and you got a square in on the other side and you're putting that middle free safety in a bind. You know, whether he goes deep, whether he jumps on the end, you got a tight end with a drag route. So you're kind of – Putting that safety in conflict, you have the deep post, you have the deep square in uh, on on opposite sides. So I really like that. Whether you throw a drop back or off a of play action, uh, now nah, there was you, never you got really, options. Yeah, yeah, you got options. You got options. So uh, I didn't really have a. I mean, I, I love playing in big games. You know, not because I knew I had somebody's number, but I just I love to play in those meaningful games. You know, like uh, like some of the games this week, the Alabama Penn State game. When you go to a place like Penn State, you know you 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 love playing in those games. You know that's that, that's what you go there for. So, uh, so yeah, that those are the games I liked. Todd had had everybody's number. So, uh, yeah. okay, Jennifer Tate. Jennifer Tate says uh, she misses Todd's taste of the town. I, she, Jennifer speaks on behalf of all of America in yeah. missing Todd's taste of the town. Well, I miss it too. We had a lot of fun doing that, and um, yeah, it's that that was a that was a great segment. Uh, and it was just, it was funny because it, you know, just started as a, a small idea and I worked so many years to try to carve a niche for myself as a, as a football analyst. And after three weeks of doing taste of the town back in 2007, I immediately became a food guy and everywhere I went from that point on, uh, you know, people were asking me about food. And I'll tell you this one story before we finish that, you know, kind of told me I was on to something. So I, we started this in 2007. And I did it the first week of the season at Clemson, second week at Penn State. I don't remember where we were third week. But about the sixth or seventh week of the season, we had an Alabama game. And Alabama was away uh, at wherever the game was. And so we were getting ready to have our conference call with Nick Saban on the phone. And, you know, if that call starts at 1030, you're on the phone at 1025. Because he could jump on at any point And, you know, he's ready to go as soon as he gets on. He doesn't mess around at all. So – we're sitting on the phone waiting for him to jump on. He comes on. Our producer says, hey, coach, I've got so-and-so here. We're, you know, getting ready to cover your game. Thanks for your time. And he's like, yeah, no problem. He says, hey, before we get started, I just got to ask Todd something. Where are you going to eat this week? No joke. And I was like, okay, so this 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 must be <laughs> legit. Taste of the talent. So uh, Nick Saban wanted to know where I was going to eat. I love it. That's what separates you from a lot of the other guys, though, man. Your your segment <laughs> there, people love it, and um, yeah, you're one of the best out there. So, uh, appreciate you. 
And uh, what a great show. And I will answer one question from Rustin, who's my favorite ball bro uh, that was up there. Rustin, I will say that you are my second favorite ball bro. You are my second favorite. Um, I'm giving the nod to Evan because he's producing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to go with Evan right now, Rustin. But it, things can change, all right? Things can change. Just like, uh, you know, Tennessee's defense. You never know when it's gonna, where, where we might go. So. Uh, there you how go. many Volbros are? How many Volbros are there? There's just two. There's just okay. Two. So he came in second place. Then. <laughs> came in yeah. second. Yeah, it's still good. Second's good. Yeah, yeah. Second's really good. You can say you I'm Josh's second favorite Volbro. Last, you don't have to say came in last. Yeah. He came in second. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's uh, that's it for episode four, of Man in Black podcast. We'll see you next week. Go sports. <laughs>